Righto, you legends, before we rip into another episode of the Deadass Podcast, I'd firstly like to thank our major sponsor, Country Tracker Caps, for the continued support of the podcast. You will find their merchandise at thecountrycompanies.com or if you'd like to design your own cap, head to countrytruckercaps.com. Knuckles has fired up a discount code for the pallbearers. Type in Deadass at the checkout to receive your discount. That is D-E-A-D-A-S-S. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Dead Ass Podcast. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Dead Ass Podcast. I am your host, Brizey, where we capture stories and eulogies. And today we have a special guest on by the name of Kat Morris. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. That's good. Hey, look, uh, uh, recommended by Nico. Nico was um, been uh, mentioning that you are an ICU nurse and um, that you had some uh, – and I've always been intrigued about ICU nurses or nursing in general, um, critical care nurse, and about the roles that are involved with it, the, um, the responsibilities, the emotions, everything involved with that. So today I'm really interested to hear what you have to say and – also, but get a bit of an idea of, you know, what got you into it, your background behind it, all that sort of bits and pieces. So, mm-hmm. so you know, where, to kick it off, so, you know, what got you into it? Was it part of your growing up, where you came from, what you did, or was it just completely out of the blue? Let us know what your thoughts are. Well, you run through with this, what, what the story is there. Okay, sorry. I'd have to say it definitely wasn't something that was part of my upbringing. I was probably, um, it was a bit of a spur of the moment decision, to be honest. Sure. Um, one of the best decisions that I can look back on yeah, in my okay. life and say that I'm glad that I did it. Oh, cool. um, so did a whole lot of things before I got into nursing yeah. um, and actually left school halfway through grade 11. So I didn't finish grade 12. There was no going on to uni. It yeah. was maybe something that did, um, you know, briefly 
enter my mind back then as something I would have liked to have done, but through sure. a whole lot of life circumstances, um, I left school, got a job, um, helped my mum and worked full time and then kind of got myself into a position in my early 30s where all of a sudden I was, I guess, in a, in a, in a space in life that I could afford to go back to uni or I could study and it was something that did kind of niggle away at me for the yeah, last sure. maybe I don't know how many years. Also randomly it coincided with me on maternity leave having a newborn baby. So whether it was a, a weird uh, <laughs> postnatal depression, <laughs> crazy, I'm going to go and get a degree while I've got a newborn baby. Um, well, let's just really challenge myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Always up for a challenge. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it decided to enroll and I think the first probably six months or 12 months was a little tricky trying to yeah, manage sure. that around a newborn and um, then I went back to work as well. But um, the stubborn part of me was determined <laughs> not to give up either. Yeah. And then, yeah, finished and did some placements in a few different areas of of, of nursing and then found myself doing a placement in uh, intensive care. Mm -hmm. uh, enjoyed it. And, um, and that's where I ended up, started, oh, yeah, okay. my, started my career there and I'm still here 10 years later. Oh, cool. And mm. so what was your first placement like? like go through with this, like you, was it a bit of an eye opener or was it like um, what you expected to be or can you remember much about that? Like I <laughs> didn't, well, I'd never been into an ICU in that point yeah. in my life, to be honest. So I didn't really know a great deal. Um, and my first placement, I think I was... Um, I was, I was shocked. Yeah. Um, I guess it's confronting, you know, oh, so, cool. be, um, yeah. and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I loved it. I realized that was my, my place in nursing that fit well for me. I loved the, the methodical, uh, nature. I yeah. loved the, the organization and the structure. Um, it definitely attracts a particular type of person, I think. Um, I could imagine it would. And I think... I I had a couple of sort of um, situations that happened to me, but probably the one that stuck out to me the most was um, a young um, a young boy that mm -hmm. um, had um, uh, had committed suicide. He was a mm. very he was, and then and you know suicide was nothing that I was you know new to it had touched yeah, my life sure. in different areas. But this boy was young. He was twelve. Shit. Um, and, you know, it was yeah. a, you know, it was a decision that he made that, you know, ended his life and, um, you know, he became, you know, progressed to brain death and, you know, was an organ donor and, um, you know, being part of that, you know, was I think the moment, um, you know, the and those, you know, that, those caring parts where, you know, you realise that it's futile and, you know, the decisions made and, you know, lots of talks have been had with family and, um, you know, the it's moved to more of like a comfort and, and you know, sort of dignity kind of care yeah. rather than, you know, kind of treat and, and fix. Um, and then moving to sort of onto organ donation being sort of, I guess, the one good thing or the only good thing that, you know, really came out of any of that devastation. Yeah, the one positive thing. Mm. Um, you know, and then just the little things, you know, preparing him for his family, you know, making it, you know, trying to keep his hair the way that he normally would have mm. had it, those little things. Yeah. Um, made me realise the impact, I think, that you can have in, in people's lives and that where you're poured into this kind of like extremely vulnerable state, you know, yeah. for them. 
Yeah. And that was, I think, the morning I walked out of that particular shift as a student, I thought that's where I want to be yeah, in wow. nursing. A lot, I could imagine probably a lot of people might have been deterred from that. Like, you know, like I would – and the reason why I mention that is like people probably go, oh, wow, this is, you know, I, it's too much for me to handle. Mm. Um, and I would respect I, – I would understand that part. But I think maybe if you knew that that's the area that I have to be in, like that I would w- want to focus on, like that's it's a different way of looking at it. I think mm. that's a pretty – I think I positive I, way to look at it to help the people who yeah, are I help guess, the people who are left to grieve. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a privilege. Um, mm. It's a privilege that we all have to be able to be in that part of people's lives where they're, you know, at their most vulnerable or their most sort of, you know, desperate. You know, yeah. um, and um, you know, has it helped me in parts of my life? And, you know, when I when I think about my working life or yeah. my professional life, life um, there's a lot that I take away from it. So not only, you know, am I going in there and, you know, I guess, you know, doing my job or performing tasks that, you know, hopefully helping, you know, helping yeah. others, um, there's a lot that you take away from it for yourself as well. Yeah. I, I The reason why, like, I mentioned it like that is because, you know, we, like, being in the funeral industry, we see that, like I can relate mm. to that one probably mostly. Um, mm. The fact that we're usually there to comfort the family in a time that is mm. normally a really shit time. Mm. And there's 100%. really no, yeah, and there's really no positiveness that you can take away no. from that at all. No, um, the especially only involving children. Children, that's a, exactly right. The young, you know, the fact that. There's never a, a yeah. Yeah, never and anything good you can take. No, that's right, and you know, and I guess just being there as a support and stuff to help out those people really makes the difference. And mm-hmm. um, I think it does, does takes a very special kind of person to do that. And I'm going to probably assume that under the circumstances they were brought they were brought into ICU, were they? They were brought mm. into that into yeah. care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. What do you beside that like? Do you, what about the visual side of things? Because it can be a very, what about trauma, like, can it be very traumatic seeing some of the visual side of things of maybe accidents and um, think, injuries? Yeah, and definitely. Stuff like that as well? It definitely can be. Um, do we as nurses become a little bit um, immune to that over the years and in time? Probably yes, yeah. if truth be known. Like, yeah. um, you know, have you had you asked me that in the early few, you know, few years, I would have said, "Oh, yes, it's terrible, it's traumatic. There are so many horrible things that I see, which I do." But um, you definitely develop, I think, a coping mechanism to a lot of that. Um, so you know, that can be in the form of you know, ter- like dark humor. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> definitely have a, a weird sense of humor in in the space of death. You have um, to. You've got to. Like mm. sometimes, you know, and that's not to say that, you know, it doesn't touch you or you don't, you know, certainly take it on board. But um, if we're going to keep going back every day and I guess that's the the hard thing about um, ICU at times is you just never know what you're walking into from well, one day it. to the next. Yeah, so you've always point. got to be prepared. And, um, and yes, it does – it definitely does take its toll on, at times – um, yeah, I guess uh, how do you, how do you structure a day like that? Because that's probably the biggest question. Like, you know, you're probably going in there thinking what your day is going to be like, and then by the time you walk out, it was nothing like you expected. Yeah, absolutely. There's been like you, um, ICU was structured by nature, so the 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 job itself and the um, you know what happens from day to day, from hour to hour, with 
you know, with assessments and procedures and things that that's all very structured, but to know what you're actually walking into, um, completely different ball game, whether you've, whether you've been there the day before, um, you know, everything can change very quickly. You, You know, it's, I guess that's just the that's the nature of the beast. Yeah, is it, there's it, no um, ability to really predict any it could of be, it, and it could be wild too. Hey, it could it could be? Uh, yeah, there's definitely been times where I've been sitting down on a night shift, thinking, "Oh, this is going to be a a really nice. I'm not even going to say it quiet, but steady <laughs> night." And um, and you know they've been they've they've turned into some of the worst, some of the busiest, yeah. some of the yeah, some some of the hardest. Oh, yeah, I could only imagine what it'd be like. Um, the what? So, like, just can you like run through us like what the process is involved? Like, because and I, like, I, not many people know how the ICU area is like set up. Like, so when you come in, like, is it? Um, so you got a waiting room? And you got yeah. A- so there's a family waiting room. Um, quite a nice big sort of space and area where family can can be, can sit. Um, there's a lot of waiting um, mm. for, for families when they're yeah, in okay. when they've got a, a loved one in ICU. Um, that can be either from the patient being completely unstable and us needing to spend you know spend time yeah. um, sort of intervening and supporting. It could be that um, you know doctors or um, doing rounds it could be different assessments or interventions that we're doing um, from there there's um, you know there's individual bed spaces um, there's no shared mm-hmm. shared spaces in ICU so intensive care nursing um, predominantly they're all um, patients are usually on different machines that are providing support to different organs so wow, yeah. usually they're um, and in order to tolerate that there's you know medication that's giving them um pain relief and sedation so they're usually unconscious so there's a lot of um a lot of things that patients aren't able to do for themselves that we're doing for them whether it be breathing or coughing or um you know um organ support with kidneys or um, putting them on a dialysis machine there's a lot of machines there's a lot of lines there's a lot of invasive um procedures that we're doing that take their toll on patients and I think the biggest thing is that um you know it's the you know people will refer to it as life support you know are they on life support are they are they yeah, dying that's, yeah that's um, that's probably the most genuine like when you think oh, ICU the first thing you're thinking of is like fully like life support yeah and the way I explain it to uh, families a lot is what we're doing is we're buying time. That's what ICU is yeah, all about, buying okay. time. So when a patient comes to um, comes into ICU, it's because they're, they're critically sick or they're in, a, in an acute phase that where they need help quite quickly. Yeah. Um, the fastest way to, you know, to provide help sometime is, yeah. sometimes is by putting them on a ventilator, by making them go to sleep, putting them on a ventilator. And, it, and it, ICU is all about control. It's, yeah very much the opposite of an emergency department that's all about like I guess uh, sort of a, a more of a chaotic area. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, that's probably, yeah. When, as soon mm. as I think of that, I just think, I think straight up I'm like I'm thinking, yeah, breathing apparatus, like breathe, yeah, ventilator. Yeah, so majority of the time the patients on a breathing, like on a breathing machine which is called yeah. a ventilator, uh, they've got numerous, sometimes up to, I don't know, 10, 15 different infusions running into them at any given point. Yeah. Um, they may or may not be on a dialysis machine as well. 
Um, sometimes they're in, they're on other um, they, invasive are, monitoring as well. Are they all those, all those type of machines too? Are they things that you have to be fully manage, manage yeah. and, and yeah. operate and stuff? Yeah. So they're machines that we set up, that we troubleshoot. Um, yeah. Wow. That we, you know, yeah, maintain um, all of the infusions, the different um, medications, etc. Um, wow, all smoke. done by the bedside nurse. So it's like a yeah. one-on-one nursing. So you do, and you're there for twelve and a half hours at their bedside. So you do develop that. Um, you must, like, yeah, yeah, yeah you must, sense of, I don't know. Um, Emotional attachment. Yeah, I, I was going to say that. Like you build up this relationship with this person. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, and like I, I can understand that you want to keep it very professional and that, but I think that's a part of the human side and probably the empathy and a part of caring. Yeah. Oh, look, I've um, I've lost count of how many people I've you know um, dealt with in ICU through yeah. death that have um, you know from children to oh. elderly and. Yep. Um, I just, yeah, I, I think maybe at one point I'd, you know, try to, you know, make sure I was really professional. If I was going to do my crying, I'd do it in the toilet <laughs> yeah. or I'd do it at home in yeah. the shower. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's been times probably in the last few years where I've gone, you know what, we're all human. Of course. And I think if I, and I, and that's how I always, you know, look at every situation at work really is if that was me in that bed or if that was my child or my yeah sister or my friend and I was that family member, how would I feel about yeah, that? You know, would it bother me if the nurse stood over in the side and shed a tear? Wouldn't. No. I, if I, anything, I they're probably, it. and I, to be honest with you, I think probably the family might would probably find a little bit of comfort in knowing that that, mm. that, that nurse that was looking after that person had mm. some, had a bit of empathy and mm. you could genuinely care towards the person. That's the way I look at it. Mm. And I think it's only human that you do build up those relationships with people. I mean, we do that. We build up relationships with people, with the families who we're looking afterwards for the funerals. So, you know, you build you you, you get to know these family intimately. Mm. Um, you know, you know, yeah, you, you know parts about their lives and what they're going through and they're openly upset and, emotional and and you know talking about all these things and they build up these and they also become you know they, they vent to you and they you know want to mm. confine you and all this sort of stuff and so you build up these relationships mm. with them and and stuff like that how do you find, like yeah i guess to to vent <laughs> like because that you know that i can understand that would be a very yeah high paced mm. high highly intensive like emotional state and you go through all the different emotions going with it. Mm. What do you do to, what do you do? Unwind. Do you, unwind <laughs> and, and one, two, like how do you keep that at work and not take that home? That would be a very hard yeah, thing to okay. do too. Um, for me, I draw my line in the sand between work and home with my shower. As do you really? crazy as that okay, sounds. No, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'm, I'd love to know. I yeah, do a lot of my, a lot of my, I guess, um, unpacking, yep. um, decompression, and, you know, sort of thought processes in there. Um, <laughs> so the longer the shower I have, the worse yep. my day. Um, yep. And in terms of, you know, just I think, you know, it's that relationship that you build up with your colleagues and your friends yes. that you work with every day. Yes, of course. So, you know, you do witness and see weird, strange, crazy, unpredictable um terrible things, you know, with these people day in, day out. And, you know, if you've been working with them for so many years, you know, definitely venting to them is a big thing. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to keep up even a bit of a social aspect with them outside of work. 
um, indirectly, whether you're talking about it or not, you're forming those connections and you're keeping those bonds strong, which really yes. are important yep. at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking about this the other day actually and, you know, probably like not to diminish like anything to do with the military side of things but having a brother who's worked for 28, 28 years in military and wow. um, has done multiple tours <clears throat> of Afghanistan. Wow. He's, um, I was thinking about my job the other, and just, and, you know, the, the, the rapport that you develop with your colleagues and how important that is to functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it, there's, in, there's some ways, you know, where I've spoken to my brother and, I've, you know, you see you those similarities. You, you can know, relate to it. You yeah, never know what you're walking into. You can face death numerous times and you do, unfortunately, over time, you know, you, you know, you develop that sort of level of immunity to it. I really, I think, is as more of a protective mechanism than anything. Yes, 100%. Um, so, yeah. It's, I know exactly what you're saying, but you also build up this um, kinship with the, with the fellow yeah, people that you're you working do. with make, yeah. who can relate 100%. to what you're going through. Mm. You know, they, yeah. they, you're with them 12 hours yeah. of the day. Oh, like I think, you know, <coughs> that I can go, you know, there's, there's certain friends that you can talk to about anything, and you yeah. know, and in nursing, you know, you'll you'll get you'll think nothing, you know, we will think nothing of yes. sitting around a table, you know, talking about the worst, vomit, blood, poo, <laughs> whatever stories that you can find, you know, while other people are just like, oh my god, are you kidding? Like, yeah. we're trying to eat or yeah, um, but I, I I don't know, like I think in, unless you've sort of worked in the industry, it's very hard to. To understand, re- understand or relate it. to some of it, yeah. yeah. Oh, look, I is I was actually because I we had this discussion the other day. We had this discussion the other day, Nico and I actually about um, the fact like they people say to us because you know like we so for the for the listeners we you know we over the years I've done work with the mm. coroner's department, so we've done transfers, gone out to murders, suicides, car accidents. You know, all the bits and pieces that you can think of. So we've been mm. there and like, you know, um, you do get desensitised to it. Mm. You get used to seeing that stuff. Um, and then like the same thing, you sort of build up that kinship with the, with the people who are doing it with you. Mm. But the biggest thing that I get from it is like people go to us, they go, how do you do your job? Like how, do you, how mm. can you do that and how can you sit? I said, let me put it in my perspective. I don't mm. understand how the people who are looking after the people Mm. Trying to keep them alive, because every time we turn up, we turn up past tense. We've the the person's deceased. They, you know, you know, nursing staff, ambulance people, all these sort of people who are trying to keep these people alive or trying to work with them, and then they do unfortunately pass away, and then we turn up after the fact. Emotionally, I can understand that it'd be more intensive for the nursing and the doctors and the and the uh, you know the ambulance officers, all those sort of people, police, fireys, anyone that's involved would be, they're more emotionally attached to what's going on at that point than what we are because we've, the event's already taken place. We're just there to do the retrieval. Mm, maybe. Um, I I don't, I, I guess I just look at it from start to finish from, you know, from when they first come into ED to ICU yeah. through to through to the funeral, you mm-hmm. know, and, and post that. And I think in every part of that stage, um, you know, it's a it's a process that whether you, whether they're you know whether you've developed a a um, you know any kind of I guess I don't know an, a, a emotional investment yeah. or um, I don't I don't think that whether they're whether they've already passed or 
you know, if you're coming in after the event, you know, that's still to me as important of a process and probably just as, um, um, you know, a a space that's just as privileged. Oh, yeah, 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 no, no, I appreciate what you're saying there, definitely. I just, it's just more on a personal note for the people Mm -hmm. who, what they're dealing with. Yeah, look, we're, we're exposed to what we see visually and stuff like that. That might be mm. a bit of it might be a bit confronting, mm. but emotionally and stuff like yeah, our investment with the person who's passed away is not so much with them. It's dealt with the emotional investments with the family that you got to deal with mm. the, the, the the grieving family after that point. Mm-hmm. But just from the looking at it from the point of the person who's actually passed away, um, have you ever had those sort of situations where you've had people come into intensive care have been like long-term patients? You know, what's some of the longest, what would be some of like the longest people that you might like longest stays you could say in intensive care? Have you ever had someone that's actually been in there for quite a long time, but come out like positive? We do. We do do have the good stories. So some of the good stories will be, um, you know, extremely sick, um, ventilated and on life support and different sort of types of, um, um, interventions for you know two or three months. Wow. Um, you know, by the time they're over their illness or their trauma or whatever that's whatever it is that's brought them into ICU, and their um, their you know their body's recovered. Yeah. Um, you know, they we, we wake them up, we take them off the ventilator, or they might be given a tracheostomy because you can only keep somebody ventilated for a certain period yeah, of time. Yeah. Okay. Sure. You need to, you know, start waking them up. So usually those patients have got a tracheostomy tube. They're they're awake, so they're able to, um, you know, um, partake in rehabilitation and physio and all of the other sort of yeah, okay. um, is parts it, of ICU that they need to deal with. But it, is it mainly because like they're in such, it's a state they can't be in that state for too long? Is that what it is itself, or is it because like any everything sort of atrophies? Yes, yeah. So the, what, yeah, so the longer that you're asleep for, so yeah. to speak, or on a ventilator with you know sedation. Um, the the more critically weak you're becoming, yeah. Okay, so sure. Yeah. So the faster we can get you over that initial hump and you know get you awake, yeah. Then you can start moving limbs, moving, you know, even breathing for yourself, which is yeah, exercising sure. your lung muscles. Yes, of course. Um. So yes, there's probably a few that um stand out. Yep. We had um had a lady who actually was um with us for maybe about a three-month period, um, oh. had come in um, only sort of 24 hours after giving birth. So oh, okay. had a, a, it was uh, one that probably has really touched my heart. Oh, um, really? Wow. She was uh, with us for about three months. Um, ultimately, during that time, you know, her, her baby was, you know, still being cared for at another hospital. She, wow. was, she was a nurse herself. So, wow, okay, sure. Um, you know, you just, you see that process and she was extremely sick. She was too unwell for us at that, you know, in the yeah. early stages to send to Brisbane for further treatment. So we kind of cared and looked after her in, in the ICU mm-hmm. here. And, um, you know, she went through lots of different hurdles and you do come out of the out of that at the other end and you know there's there's a like you know there's a friendship there that's created um yes, of course yeah and a chili tree that she gave me that is yeah <laughs> kicking goals <laughs> is still, it really? yes. and do you use the chilies yeah i love them oh dear yeah, yeah cool yeah. they're like the little, the, the little little they're the, hot bit, one? they're the bigger ones they're not super crazy oh, hot oh, that's yeah. cool well, i don't mind chili i could have a bit of that that's uh, cool. So she's a bit chili farmer. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> bit of side gig. Yeah. Um, so three about three months. Wow, mm. that's intensive. Mm. Yeah. It's cool to see those. It's in a big 
Yeah, the day it's you definitely see definitely good to see yeah. the, you know, they're the good, they're the good times, you know, yeah. and it's the good times that outweigh the bad. So yes. thinking about, um, you know, the, um, the funeral of the little four-year-old that I went to um, mm-hmm. at the start of last year, but then you, you know, which was an absolute low, you know, like it of was, oh, it was, yeah, it was, it was definitely one of the, the worst months of, of the year, yeah. um, and then you know, quite a few months later, you you know, I, I probably you know, n- nearly almost not not forgotten about it, but um, it had become you know a bit of a, a day at the office where the you know the year before I'd been down in ED and called down to a like a resus of a little three day old baby that wow. came into into the hospital and and it was. Um, you know, it was a hard day and no, then found been. out, you know, and a lot of the time you don't get to follow up on certain things, you know, especially if they get sent out of our hospital oh, into a different, different area. Yeah. So, you know, not knowing what happened then and, um, you know, finding out nearly 12 months later after I'd gone through the, you know, the process with this other little boy who, you know, unfortunately passed away, uh. um, you know, and then getting a phone call and um, contact from the uh, the mum of this little boy from you know last year who'd had a, a terrible event happen and you know he survived and he was kicking goals and he wow. was walking and you know had the cutest dimples <laughs> and you know and I got to meet this little boy who yeah. you know nearly tw- you know was just celebrating his first birthday and um and there the you know and he was he, he was just the cutest little thing ever so oh, that's, cool. that's the the upside yeah. that keeps you going back when you have your bad days. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what in majority of the time does it outweigh the negative? Like does or is it a 50-50? No, definitely. Um I think definitely the the good times outweigh the bad. Um yeah. and just making sure that um that you know you're utilizing your um the the um you know the areas and that are important to sort of I guess keep you Keep you going back, you know. Yeah. Looking after yourself, you know. Of just, course. Yeah. What are the What are those conversations like that you would be having with those family? I could. I mean, is that part of the responsibility of the nurse? Is it to, to no. have, or is it more the doctor? It's the responsibility of the doctor to um, sort of um, have those initiate those discussions with and the then, families. And yeah, stuff. and then kind of navigate, you know, through those. Yeah. Um. You know. So often the nurse is always involved in that, though. We will, yeah. you know, we'll. That was the family room that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. There, those discussions are usually always taking place out in yeah. there. They're they're heavy discussions, and then those imagine. discussions are finished, and then you know doctors are extremely busy. They've got so many competing responsibilities. Yes, of course. So. Um, it's the bedside nurse that's left with the aftermath of that. I could imagine, you know, that yeah. you know is done that deals with all of the the processing, or you know, and the yeah, the you know yeah. the, how the how that how that works. So there's a lot of um, yeah, there's a lot of kind of Emo- there's a mm. lot of emotions going on there, yeah. <laughs> good and bad. Like oh yeah. wow, yeah, no, because yeah. I just so, I figured that I I would assume that those conversations would be. Um, you know, those discussions would be very, yeah, very good and bad, I, I guess. I, I, the, what's the best way to describe it? Um, uh, I think confront- traumatic, confronting. Yeah, confronting, I yeah. think. Um, yeah. You know, and, and sometimes families are, um, you know, extremely understanding and, you know, mm. they're. Um, 
I could imagine, times, yeah, I could imagine it could you'd be have a little some, bit more difficult. Yeah, I could imagine you'd have families that would just be blatantly, like, not blatantly, would be just in denial. Yeah, like, like yeah. severely. I mean, and I grief understand looks that. different to every yeah. single oh, person. And I, I know what I know that feeling. I know that there's, yeah. I know that feeling when I'm describing yeah. they're talking about that denial. Like, no, 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 that they'll be fine. They'll be yeah. fine. But no. Yeah. No. Yep. You know, yes, that's, that's probably one of the other harder parts of nursing as well. Yeah. When you know that, you know, the patient's not going to be fine and yeah. that they're, um, Oh, are we deni- are we delaying the inevitable? Yeah, or, that's you know, right. Like, yeah, uh, you know, of course. What is this patient's you know wishes and you know what yeah. the, the family oh. and the, the friends always know them best more than yeah. anything, and that's often what we're relying on. Um, you know, can that judgment be clouded a little bit sometimes? Um, yes, uh, I could imagine. Unfortunately, yeah. and that's the hard part. You know, where where we sometimes feel a little bit conflicted. Yes. Oh, of course, I can imagine you would be. I'm sure there's probably times there where um, the family have gone against the doctor's wishes, the doctor's recommendations. Like I, it's, it might be due to religious religion, uh, regions, uh, religious reasons, or culture, or certain things. I know, you know, and I could imagine that would be a difficult situation for people because I'm sure that you're under under you know. It's challenging, I think, from the medical perspective um, that they, you know you know, where they're then forced to really guide um, the family to come through those decisions. And it's a hard process. I could, um, you know, I I couldn't comprehend it from my side of things. Yeah. Um, You know, the difficulties of trying to, you know, have someone, you know, navigate me through that process if, you know, I didn't have the, I guess, the understanding that I've got, um, you know, with certain kind of, you know, areas of health and Mm -hmm. medicine. But... um, well, yeah, it's, it's I, just... an example like I've like I've read about, and I and um, you know, feel free, you don't have to comment on this at all. It's just my this is what I've just. Um, but there's those examples where there, there's been a patient, and I can't remember if it's here in America. I can't remember what but a patient there that was requiring blood transfusions, and and a part of the reason why the family were refusing it was because of their religion based, their 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 choices that they were refusing their daughter to have. A blood transfusion was be based on religious mm. beliefs. It was nothing to do with medically. The doctor's mm. saying to them, they're going, you need to have a blood transfusion. This girl needs to have a blood transfusion to stay alive. Mm. And they're refusing it because of religious reasons. That, mm. the, the thing I'm just bringing up is I could imagine from a medical point, like from a, from a nursing point of view, from a point of view of the medical staff or the, or the doctors, how difficult that would be knowing that all you have to do mm. is just get the... You need just this one thing and you can't do it to, you know. Mm, yeah. That would be such a conflict. Like, it definitely would be a conflicting situation to yeah. be in. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess it's all very individual. Oh, of course. Look, I know I'm not, I'm not, part, yeah. It, and look, you know? that's, you know, part of the, part of the thing that these people, that's their religion. That's what their mm. beliefs are. That's what mm. they've grown up to know. Like, mm. you know, like I'm not, I'm not discrediting the the family at all yeah, i'm just definitely. saying it's so hard on both situations both sides there that's a really difficult thing to talk about and a difficult thing to try and mm. get across the line on both sides mm-hmm. you know because you have a look at it from the family's point of view you know they're heavily faith you know heavily believed in their religion and they they go and if they do allow that to happen mm-hmm. then they're going oh well you know are we going to get in trouble for that yeah, <laughs> yeah. going to pay the consequences yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know, in terms of religion and faith, um, 
there's, you know, there's that aspect of it mm-hmm. um, definitely in, in ICU that we've, you know, dealt with and stumbled be. on. There's, I guess, you know, you know, people, you know, um, depending on religion, depending on faith, um, you know, in the aspect of death and dying. Yes. I think the one, one that stands out for me would be, um, you know, and I think the hardest parts probably, um, you know, is often we'll see patients that come in and, you know, they are, they're in trauma, they're, um, they're extremely unwell and, you know, and they're, you know, and they're already so compromised that they're, yes. that they're not able to talk or they're not responding. So, and then they're, you know, then their decisions made that they're, um, you know, they need, you know, they're, they're going to be palliated and, yes. and, you know, and then there's a process of death. The flip side to that is a patient that is still able to, com- to communicate, that's still, yes. You know, yes. able to make decisions and talk and listen and interact and be really, really verbally appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but also what treatment we're doing is completely futile. And you know that you know they need to be you know told that they're dying. And you know yes. they have, you know, may, maybe only hours or you know days to yeah. prepare rather than months crazy? or weeks, etc. Um, and there was this one particular lady that we had that conversation with and, you know, and then over, you know, the course of 12 hours, um, you know, I watched her say goodbye to her her sons and, you know, video call uh, relatives that she couldn't um, see or speak to, um, people that couldn't come up to the hospital and, um, wow. and, you know, and then at the end of the end of it, she sort of turned to me and she said, um, I'm ready now. And I thought to myself, God, how on earth can you can you possibly be ready yeah. in such a short amount yeah. of time? Um, and so calmly, you know, she said, "I'm I'm ready for you know, yeah, I'm I'm ready." Yeah, and wow. um, and she had a really really strong Christian faith, mm. and and I I just remember thinking I was just I was shocked, you know, and and yeah. I and much respect to her. And I remember just thinking, I'm so thankful that you've got that faith. Yeah, of course. You know, because yeah. it really did help and prepare her. Did, like, it's funny, like, I guess, it's not funny, sorry. What I should say is, it's like, it's it's probably nice to know that they have that support of their faith. Yeah, knowing 100%. that That's what's going to help yeah, them. Definitely. She was Be- in a room with, with just me. Yeah. You know, um, what I mean? like, you know she had yeah. no family around. Yeah. She was, you know, it was a... Uh, an airborne precaution room that yeah. you know was cold and clinical and yeah, um, but to also be yeah, so but to be so exact yeah to, so to be so okay with it yeah. um, blew my mind really yeah, that's I thought amazing. there's no way I could get to that space in yeah. twelve hours if that was me the, the, so I was yeah. yeah the craziest things that I've had lately um, obviously because they've, they've They've, um, the voluntary assisted dying has come in, is that I've had these conversations with people, like literally people have come in the week before, had these discussions with me, look fine, everything's yeah. fine to me, pre-fill out their funeral arrangements, paperwork, everything ready to go. And then literally like they're like, okay, so next Thursday, one o'clock's the date. And I'm like, okay, yep, no worries. And then sure enough, the... Date comes. It's just. It's such a weird. Mm. It's a weird dynamic of things mm. that's taking place. You know, like that. That to me is is crazy. Knowing that last yeah. week I just had the conversation with them, and yeah. like I could imagine it'd be like yourself, like with the 
with the people that you're dealing with there that you literally like they've come in you've had these straightforward conversations everything's fine and literally by the end of the shift this person's passed away Mm, that would be that would be crazy in itself too it is yeah i think it's also an area that we don't talk about a lot you Mm. know people don't want to talk about it oh that's it you know yeah so yeah it's it's a very taboo subject the people you know that's one thing we've we've tried to promote around this uh, with the podcast and stuff is you know have these open discussions Mm. about death i mean that's the Mm. that's the one thing we are guaranteed in life is Mm. death and um you know i think that um the more that we're open and talking about it and having these open air discussions i think that um you know it just Mm. i think it's more what do you it's probably the best way to put it it's probably more comforting to people people you know all the bits and pieces that go with it yeah, I mean, I think it takes away a lot of um, – it, it just no, it normalises it. Yeah, yeah, that's right, normalises yeah, it. At the end of the day, we're all humans and I think yeah. we've all got very similar thought processes in terms of, you know, I don't know, sometimes, you know, even even fear around death. Fear of it, yes, that's um, right. So, yeah, definitely the more it's talked about and, and not just, you know, from a, a – I guess a health professional and patient point of view but even just from a friends and family mm. point of view, like – you know, just knowing what's important to you and what's not, you know, do you want to be an organ donor? Do you not? Like yes, it's such a point. personal decision that, um, you know, a lot of people think that just by popping it down on their um, their licence or, you know, saying yeah. yes or no on the um, organ, de- organ donation register that, that that covers them. It's really important to have those conversations with your family and your friends and um, but predominantly, your next of kin they're gonna, yeah, they're going to be making those decisions. Yeah. they're the you know they're the ones that you know you really want to make you, sure. Yeah, of course, and it's not that you're wishing. That. Yeah, it's not that not the fact that you're wishing worst case scenario upon yourself. It's just making smart provisions for the future. Oh, it, you just don't know. That's exactly like, right. If there's 100%. anything that life's taught me, it's that you it is know. completely unpredictable, <laughs> yeah. and there is yeah. nothing in life that's guaranteed. Well, that's it, and like that's what we do try to promote when it comes to sort of like the same thing with like it's no different to doing a will mm-hmm. or pre-planning a funeral thing. Yeah. Like you, you're coinciding a, a will with with pre-arranging your funeral plans anyway. Like people, like there's certain things that you should put down, and it should be a part of your will as well. Like what your intentions are for disposition. Do you want to be cremated? Do you want to be buried? Who do you want to do the funeral? What These little bits and pieces, put that information down so that it eases the burden of the family or the yeah. next of kin as well. Yeah. You know, just these little yeah. things. And then if something does happen, heaven forbid, like you don't want anything to happen. You don't want stuff to happen to people, but stuff does happen. Mm. And when it happens, you know, you don't want to be left with these decision makings having to be done on the next of kin they should already be in place for them so that they know mm. hey look this is what john wanted he wanted this he wanted that um he's an organ mm. donor he, you know all that sort of yeah. rolled into one yeah life's short and it's rapid yeah, and it can that's change right. fast 100 and um a lot of the time organ donation it's you know it's a, something that's usually been a traumatic process you can there's only certain I, what, ways the, that you can yeah. pass away to be able to donate so what's the process involved with organ donation is it like um so they 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 keep the patient um on a, on a life support and yeah. then they you know the the, the decision's been like they the registers come through and said yes this person is eligible for you have to be legally brain dead legally brain dead um, yep. in order to um then be able to sort of start having the discussions but mm. um yeah so the process is that um 
there's a specific team down in Brisbane that comes up. And um, yeah, so all brain death testing is done in the days leading up. Um, there's lots of work done, um, you know, to ensure that, um, you know, that the family really is guided through the process. Yeah, um, and, you know, lots of um, very respectful and dignified, I guess, um, you know, in terms of the process of. Um, having the discussions, making the decision whether it would be what the um, the patient would or wouldn't want. Yeah. Um, it's very, very individual. Um, yes. And and then organs are um, retrieved and, mm-hmm. you know, then, yeah. The and then, it's, and then the, they're selected for certain people and yeah. then it goes from there. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's, it's a very an, coordinated process. I could imagine it would be. And because I'm sure time is of the essence. Definitely. Everything, everything's yep. time related. Yep. That's the biggest thing going on. It is. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, I actually, I, I did a, I was fortunate enough to look after a, for, for a funeral for a, a person who passed away unexpectedly for medical reasons. Um, and the same thing, one of the last things that he was able to do was provide, that the family were able to, you know, provide um, his, you know, certain organs to mm-hmm. You know, give that gift of life to other mm. people. Give those people that chance. Mm. It's a, it's in such a traumatic situation. It's such a beautiful thing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, know? definitely. In some situations, it's been the only good thing that I've kind of found to take from. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Some some people that have passed away in ICU. Yeah. Um, what's the, I mean? What's the percentage? Isn't it? It's so rare, isn't it? Is it? Did organ you? Donation? Yeah. To, I mean, like you said, you have to be in a certain criteria. Yeah, I actually, I honestly don't know what mm. the percentages are of, of the type of, um, you know, of how many people are in the position to potentially oh, yeah. donate. But I could assume I can it'd only be very low. From, we probably, you know, we the the numbers are quite high in terms of once a patient gets to um, brain death and yeah. having that conversation. It's surprising how many people are. You know, are willing and family members oh, are, wow. okay. are yeah, you know sure. wanting to you know advocate that that was what the wishes would yep. have been for the patient. Um, well, you know, so yeah, don't know, don't yeah, know no, the, the exact okay. numbers, but, um, but but maybe it's at least it's a little bit more common than what I perceive it to be. I would assume that was very rare. Like no, I just thought it was like yeah. one in a million. No, definitely not. Yep. No, we've got you know probably in probably on an average year in ICU we might um, anywhere from. Three to eight people. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Um, wow. That's just in one ICU yeah. in f- of one town in yep. Australia. So, yeah. yeah. Right, so it is more common than what I think. So, hmm. well, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. It's um, yeah, that's a, that's an amazing thing. Um, I could imagine like that um, that whole process, like from from that start to that finish, and then like the, it's one of those. I guess it's one of those situations where you. You know, like you have those days where it's a never end, like it's a never, you know, it's like a never ending battle. Like it's, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah, you, you, I can <laughs> totally relate to that. <laughs> way, oh, I was having this discussion with someone the other day. We're talking about like you never actually really, nothing's ever really complete. Like you never, I could, I could imagine you'd never leave going. Everything's done for the day. No, Let's start from yeah. scratch tomorrow. Yeah, no, it's always <laughs> a handover. Constant. Yeah, handover. Yeah, That's probably yeah, the best way. Definitely. To put it. There's yeah. always a handover, and and sometimes we're reminding each other that you know nursing's twenty four hour, twenty four seven job. Just yeah. you know, you sometimes you are handing over what you feel is a mess. You know, yes. and you know, 
there's that sense of guilt, you know, that we'll yeah. always walk out on the ship and go, oh, I should have done this better, I could have done that better or I didn't get time to do X, Y, Z. But sometimes there's just not enough time in in a day to, you know, yeah, to have everything, we, you know, completely well, perfect. Does it feel like you're always behind the ball? <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> That's what... <laughs> Like it's like you never get in front. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it does feel like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, would like so when you do, so you, you go home, you shut off. Um, yeah. What do you do in your spare time? What what's, uh, what does someone like yourself do, do it, for you? You know, you unwind. You undo. Have you got some hobbies that you do? Um, do you do anything particular that you like to? Other do? than ice cream. Um, <laughs> photography is definitely photography. a side gig. Yeah. Um, Mainly astrophotography, so True. that's kind of like Milky Way and yeah, that's cool. of, um, star stuff and um, night night photography. Yeah. So, um, do you have a bit of a fascination with cosmology and that sort of stuff? Or I'm not into like astro- astronomy. Uh, is astrology. it astrology? Astrology. I don't even <laughs> know. I can't even think of the name. <laughs> um, no, but you just I like the. Like, yeah. I just I just enjoy. I think the it that reminder that you know you could be looked you know, out looking up under the the sky and, yeah. you know, the universe is so vast, it's so huge, you know, we're so tiny yeah. and it's that great reminder of where we fit in the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which but is from, good, you know, from an... Yeah, from the photography point of view, it's more of the, the, the actual just the... The, the beautifulness of it. like Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the landscape. And the challenge. Oh, my challenge? God. It's I suppose a, it'd be I'm hard, a sucker for a good challenge. So... Yeah. You know, you're looking at, um, you know, you've got to get a cloud-free night. You've got to make sure, yeah. the, you know, there's minimal moon. You've got to go yeah. somewhere where there's minimal light pollution. You've got to go somewhere where you don't feel like you're going to get murdered. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you've got to try and drag someone out with you yeah. if possible. Yeah. Like, um, and I think I've used up all of, you know, the majority of my friends. And, <laughs> um, you know, so there's lots of different aspects to it. It's making sure that you're not just getting the night sky and, you know, the beautiful image of the stars, but, you know, what are you putting yeah. in the foreground? You know, how are you going to make it look, point. look interesting? Yeah. And then the Milky Way moves like the, you know, so, you you know, all throughout this, the season, so to speak, there is oh, actually a Milky Way season. Yeah. Um, you know, you're getting it at different areas and points in the sky. So, yeah. yeah, I like that side of it, you know, as well. You know, that that's, that's what challenges and challenges me I that's guess. cool do you do you display your work or do you just keep um, it for personal personal <laughs> photos or? I did keep it just for personal <laughs> photos for a while but no I do put um some of my work up down at the local gallery oh do yes. you really yeah I oh, do that's actually cool. just in the last 12 months that's mad yeah it was a pretty cool achievement that I was happy about it's a nice personal accomplishment yeah yeah, yeah. how long have you been doing the photography for uh, nearly five years. Have you really? Yeah, just wow. a little bit of a side hobby, self-taught. Yeah. Um, what pro, what got me into it? Um, just seeing a really nice um, photo actually that, you know, scrolling on Facebook one day I thought, oh, I like that. I want to learn how to do that. Mm. Um, also needing a needing an outlet at that time, like my yeah. marriage had broken down okay, and I sure. was – uh, I guess I was a bit lost, you know. There's yeah. only so much I could get from from nursing, yeah. but um, yeah, I had a lot of time on my hands. I all of a sudden found myself with a hell of a lot of time. Yeah, sure. And there was only so many, so much kind of annoying I could do with my friends. <laughs> where I was like, all right, I need to figure this out. <laughs> so yeah, I found so a camera. Found a camera. Mm, went with that. Oh, that's a cool idea. 
So it'd be like one of those like low, is it like a low shutter, whatever, is it a slow shutter or something? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Got, long, <laughs> long, yeah, long exposure. Long exposure, yeah. that's the word long, I was looking long for. Long shutter. Yeah. And what type yeah. of camera do you have? Uh, it's a Nikon, so yeah. I've gone to the dark side. I'm from <laughs> Canon. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's yeah. good on you. No, that's, yeah. that's a cool. But it's a nice way to unwind, you Ooh. know, from nursing. Yeah. Um, oh, it would be. It's been definitely complimentary. Is it? Yeah. And then you get the enjoyment of I like the night. I like I like the quietness of it. Oh yeah. And this yeah, yeah. You know, it's the, relaxing. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It's a totally different vibe. It's a great great way to unwind. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. cool like I like I don't even like I like oh, see back, back in the day I used to smoke cigarettes, right? So yeah. when I was younger, like I did quite enjoy just sitting outside yeah. and just sitting there and looking at the sky yeah. and glass enjoying a glass, yeah, you know, or beer Perfect. or, and then I'd be having a cigarette or a cigar or whatever it was, whatever it was, and I'd be just sitting there just chilling and listening to the scenery and enjoying the night sky and all that sort of thing. It was mad. I mm. love that. Yeah. Some of the things I miss about, yeah, yeah, <laughs> even though it's crap for me health, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was well, a good down. Yeah, well, yeah, the red one was all right, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, not, I wouldn't mind a yeah, beer and a cigarette sit down mm. and watch the thing. Um, but yeah, um, I can definitely see the appeal to it for yeah. sure. Yeah. As opposed to, uh, and like I guess it's probably a little bit more of a, um, you, you don't really, he- I, I don't hear many people saying they do photography at night stuff, like the skies yeah, and stuff. It's, it's more yeah. like other, you know, during it's, the day. and Yeah, yeah. That's, um, yeah, it's probably definitely like a, Rarer, a smaller, smaller community, lesser known yeah. genre of, of photography. Yeah. Um, you know that attracts the the weirdos that like to be out <laughs> at night. <laughs> I suppose it, I guess it probably helps in works with you too if you're doing um, shift work. Yeah, I guess so. I I honestly don't know. I just um I just love the relaxation of it. Yeah. I think more than anything, yeah. and um, you know, yeah, shift work. Uh. You know the body clock and because that, that's what it is, sleeping isn't it? and not yeah. sleeping. And You'd be you're on like a night yeah. shift, day shift type yeah. of situation. Is yeah. that how it works? Yeah, so we do twelve hour shifts in intensive care just so that yeah. we maintain sort of um, that continuity of care, really. And yeah, you get sure. to see the trends of yeah. you know improvement or deterioration a lot of the time. You know where their eyes and ears for the for the doctors. Yeah. Like we're okay. there twelve hours. They come in, they do their rounds. They're always on the floor, and they, we have an extremely close. Um, professional working relationship, um, you know, where we'll call them at the drop of a hat and be like, I'm yeah. worried about this or I'm worried about that or I think you need to come or, you know, double-checking X, Y, Z. But, yeah, so I just um, – I've actually forgotten what I was saying and gone off on a train. Oh, no, it, just, it was just thought. more of a case of like um, – with, with the night shift, you're saying. Oh, how yeah, shift. The night shift. shift. <laughs> That's why I've gone off on a train of thought. There's my night shift brain kicking in. Um, I think oh, I take sleep when I can get it. Yeah, That's sure. what I've learned to do. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely can be a night owl sometimes, but um, other times can want to sleep the day away. And I just, sleep is precious to me. So oh, it is. It's whenever most... I can get it, I'll take it. <laughs> I could understand it'd be a very valuable commodity. Um, that's what my wife mm. says to me. She goes, and the kids they actually hang a bit of shit on me. Like, how do you do it? Because like I'll walk in, and, like literally, I will lay down and I'm gone in like oh, two yeah. minutes. You know, like I'll lay back. I wish I back. had that. Uh, I wish I had that knack. Yeah, it's good. 
<laughs> yeah. But then they get the shits of me because, like, we'll watch a movie or something. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm out. <laughs> Uh, no, nah, yeah, I can understand sleep being a very valuable commodity. Yeah. What do you see yourself in the future with this? Do, do you, is this the same way? Are you going to stay in that sort of realm, like in that field of work? Or do you, where does someone go from that point? Like, do you stay in that area or do you move? Is there different places oh, you can go with it? Like, how does that? That's a tough one that I've, yeah. you know, I think we all ask ourselves at times, especially at three o'clock in the morning on night Well, shift. that's it. Um, I don't know. Like, I honestly don't know where nursing is going to take me or where, where whether I'll stay in this realm. I don't think mm. um, while I'm working within the hospital, I don't see myself ever working anywhere other than in that area. Yeah. But um, okay, I yeah, guess that's sure. vast, you know. And is yeah. it is it sustainable long term for another ten or fifteen years? Probably not. Yeah, because um, I could be, I could imagine. It, mm. it would take a toll on people. Yeah, like it really would. Yeah, you know. Uh, just let alone the fact that like shift work takes tolls on people. But mm. then you also multiply that with the highs and lows of the emotions that you're mm. going through. And I could imagine that you'd be – there wouldn't be much downtime there. I could imagine there'd be a lot of everything on the on is constantly on the go. Sometimes, um, yeah. I mean we, we do have times where it's a little bit more structured and a little bit more um, – civilized and calm and yeah. and they're the you know they're the times i think that we appreciate yeah of course but mm. i could i could imagine just like anything like you know when people's lives are at stake and, the, and you're dealing with intensive care stuff and 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 care and i can imagine that the the the, the amount mm. of paperwork and the mm-hmm. str- and, oh, definitely. oh and the 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 steps you have to go through mm. to do all the bits and pieces i could i'm it, definitely someone that doesn't never i never shut off at work so yeah. Um, even on a quiet shift or, you know, the, the unit's um, nice and calm and, you know, there's very few patients and they're all very stable. Yeah. Um, I'm very – I think, you know, even my friends that I, you know, have, that, I, that I work with say, you know, you're very different outside of work to what you are when you're at work. I think it's not until I get in the car post-night shift and I'm driving home that I'm um, – I get in my car and I almost fall asleep as soon as my hands hit the steering wheel because I just finally relax. Yeah, yeah, that's it, I finally yeah. unwind. You know, yeah. I'm not like even when I'm at work and I might be laughing or joking, my brain is still, you know, focused on, you know, whatever patients we've got in the unit. My brain's still listening out for certain alarms. I'm still looking over the person's yeah. shoulder, looking at the monitor and, you know, like, you know, I'm just I'm, – I never switch off and I think it's not until I get in the car and I know I've actually handed over mm-hmm. that my whole body goes, oh, shit, Catherine, it's time for sleep. Like, <laughs> um, And, you know, and I've gone home of, you know, probably the funniest story actually on I'll, I'll, um, I think we've all got issues with, you know, sleeping and night yeah. shift but – you know, and, and online shopping is often done on a night shift because – and I'll get something that comes, a, you know, a week or two later going, what? Oh, I, that's right. I did buy this pair of shoes or, or something that's turned up and yeah. I got a notification. I was like going to go to the post office to pick something up and I thought, yeah. oh, I'll just duck down because I was hoping it was this new dress. And, yeah. <laughs> something completely And so random. I just jumped – yeah, I just jumped in my, um, my ex-husband's car actually at the oh. time and I would, you know – off I went down to the post office and parked the car and went in and I was so excited and it, it turned out to be just this damn bloody replacement of a Thermomix part which <laughs> was not as exciting as the dress I thought I was going to get. Um, went out and just started to get into the car and this lady comes up to me and she said to me, do you realise that your trailer is 
blocking this was in a like a car park a little complex your trailer is blocking the entire car park and i looked at her and i looked and realized i was towing a trailer like around all these roundabouts (laughs) and and that i'd parked just the car in the car park park and and i just looked at her and i said my god i didn't even know what i said what trailer i didn't know i was towing one (laughs) and I think the look on her face was a combination of mm. mortified, um, confused and a little bit of horror. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and I was just like, oh, my. And then I thought, Jesus, now I've got to try and get this thing out. Like, now I've got to reverse yeah. this out. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, I don't know. Like that's probably one of those night shift stories that my my friends and workmates still give me shit about. I love that. That's, that's a classic. The mm. fact that you didn't even realise. Mm. That yeah. would have been – you probably would have only realised when you reversed out too. Well, hopefully I Maybe. would have. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. Oh, jeez Louise. Is there, mm. is, there, is there options for private – like private side of things, private work that for what you do at the moment? Like is it – or is it all hosp- – like uh, – Depends on the town or the area that you're in. So, you know, intensive care nurses can work between private or public um, okay, hospitals yeah, sure. um, depending on whether the private hospitals have intensive care units yeah, in them. Yeah, sure, so, sure. Um, and that can vary from, from, you know, whether you're in just a small little regional town or yeah. a large, um, you know, a large metropolitan area. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. No, I was just want- I was just wondering about that because, like, I guess that would be the same work. It would just be under a private enterprise as opposed to... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just because, like, do you know? Can you go into different areas of that, or is it different training required? Like, what would you do there? Like, I guess, or is Um, is the ICU sort of like more more? uh, That's the cream of the crop. It's an it's one area of so there's lots of different specialties of nursing, and I guess that's the beauty of the of it. You know, is you'll never get bored, and you know, there's always one place. Yeah. So. Whatever area of nursing you're in, there's always an avenue to, I guess, specialise yeah. in it or do further, uh, further postgraduate study. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah sure. So, uh, for me, I've done um, done some extra study through um, through QUT, um, just because I wanted to, you know, I guess, develop my lo- knowledge and yeah. learn a bit more. So for me, I've done all of my extra training and study in critical care nursing, oh, intensive cool. care slash. Um, ED. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Would you do? Would you have you done a stint in ED or? Yeah, I hated yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to be very frank there. No, um, it's good to like, know. It's good just, to know. I think that's just a you know it's a it's such a funny thing you know between the ED and ICU nurses there's such a difference you know yeah like you've got. Um, ED is loud, it's noisy, it's yeah. chaotic, you know, in, in a recess you've, you'll, you, you'll know, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, 10 metres away, you know, what's going on and how crazy yeah. things are. Whereas I think the differences in ICU and this is what appealed to me is that you can have exactly the same stressful situation with, you know, and yet it's so much more controlled, it's so quiet, there's no yelling, there's no screaming, everyone's, um, you know, just no matter how pear-shaped things sometimes could be going, yeah. it never outwardly appears that way. Yeah, okay, um, and sure. It's, it's just a much more controlled version. And, I, and you know, and I, and not to take anything away from ED, it's, it's, just, it's, it's just they're two very different areas. Different you're, looking areas at yeah. a, you're looking at one, one particular area of, 
of the hospital where, you know, it, it's so much more uncontrolled because you're you're starting at the beginning, you haven't had a chance to really get hands on and, yeah. and, you know, and take over a lot of those controls and, you know, put the person onto the ventilator or put the breathing tube in, put certain lines in to start giving medications that are going to be able to support, um, you know, blood pressure and things like yeah. that. So, you know, they're, um, you know, essentially a lot of the time they're blind. They're just seeing and treating and doing and, yeah. you know. So they'll, yeah. they'll, set, they'll set the person up to be transferred to ICU. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes and, you know, we'll often work as a team. So if we know things are coming in that, you know, yeah. are going to need a lot of help and a lot of, a lot of hands on deck, then, you know, ICU will head down there as well so yeah. that, you know, we can work in conjunction. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I could imagine because I could imagine ED would be. Crazy. Yeah. You could have, like you'd be dealing with, and then you'd be anything. Pump. You'd be you'd be dealing with drunks. People would probably OD. I honestly really do take my hat off to the staff oh. that work in ED. You know, they they really do go above and beyond. They work uh, phenomenal hours, and yes, they see. You know, if, yeah. You know, they're working in the most extreme conditions. Um, that would be hard. Yeah, it is. It would be a very challenging place to it work. Was it part of your placement that you were working in there? I did, you, do a, I did do a placement there as a student. Six yeah. very short, I mean long weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What is yeah. So just for the listeners, just so people can get understand, what is sort of like the, the, the just briefly like over the, you can, you know, what's the length of time for the study and, you know, stuff like that to, well, to get to a point where you are now? Like... Because there's obviously... Uh, so it's a three-year undergraduate degree full-time or you can do that part-time. Yeah. Um, I did a 12-month transition program um, through intensive care in my graduate year, which yeah. involved um, assignments and study yeah. um, modules, um, clinical um, sort of bedside assessments. And then I did um, 12 months um, postgraduate degree through QUT um, in... Um, just predominantly in critical care nursing. Yeah. And just from there, you know, it's just continual upskilling, continual just researching, um, and making sure that you're, you know, and, you know, yeah, always kind of, you know, keeping best practice and, you know, that evidence-based yes. work at the forefront. Yes. Well, I could imagine be and there'd be, there'd be constantly changes in medication. Yeah. yeah. Um, advancements in technology yeah other things know, like is that. there a better way we could be doing this you know yeah. looking at what studies are being done and taking point, yeah uh, yeah that and then because you could be constantly having to re relearn that stuff as well or stay you know what do they call it upskilling or yeah. keep skilling yeah what you were saying before that would be you know be on top of that as well that would be intense yeah i mean that that's not just on a on an individual basis though that's from a from a unit perspective, from a hospital perspective, yeah. from a from an overall, you know, medical and nursing stream side of it, it's you know that's the that's the profession, you know, that's yeah. the the health industry is, you know, it's always like, you know, just because this is the way it's always been done, should it be? Mm. You know, there's always lots of different, you know, um, you know, studies and research projects that are yep. always on the go. That's how, you know, that's how health evolves, I guess. Was 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 there added stress and added anxiety and all the bits and pieces when we're going through the pandemic as well was that that's why i didn't say it <laughs> like was it just the extra would just the extra toll on on you guys would have been pretty pretty it intense was, like at it? times like, like it you know it it was a, it was a hard time at, mm. in nursing like n not just i guess in terms of you know we didn't initially 
pre-COVID when mm. we were preparing. We didn't really know what we were, you know, imagine, preparing yeah. for. Yeah, like definitely. We, um, you know, it was the unknown. So, yeah, there was definitely fear there, especially, you know, when we could see what was happening in other countries but it hadn't yeah. really hit Australia yet. Um, and, you know, during the, the process of it it's, um, as such, you know, it was – I guess it was, I think, for us a little bit delayed, you know, and, yep. you know, in terms of what was coming into ICU, you're only getting the the worst, you know, the sickest or, you know, and and from my point of view, one of the hardest things I think through the whole time was, you know, you know, which fence did people sit on? Are, you know, yes. are you vaccinated? Are you oh, unvaccinated? You know, what's your preference there? Is COVID real? Is it not real? Is nurses are the, you know, ones responsible for spreading it all? Mm. Like there was just so much like... Yeah. That we were just trying to get up and go to work and do the job that we had to do. But, um, you know, from a friend's point of view or family point of view, you're still, um, you know, there was still a lot of, there was a lot of pressure from that Mm. side of things, you know, that I found probably the the hardest at times to deal with. Yeah, it would have been. So the way I see it, the pandemic became a very political situation and unfortunately I think the nursing, nursing medical industry were in the forefront of it obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you guys were on the receiving end of it being good and bad. So I think instead of just – because it became so political, it just took away from the fact of what yous were there to do, like obviously just – care for people who are sick and mm, exactly <laughs> you know yeah, like and that's it just, exactly right and it beca- you know and then we did finally get through it and yep. then you know was there any rep like was mm. there any repercussions of what what went through after that like did it you not know, really nothing changed like, or went back to it's like oh let's go back to what we're doing <laughs> oh look i think you know in it's still there slightly yeah. but um you know really Uh, For me, it was dealing with, um, you know, the majority of the patients that we saw that come into intensive care with COVID were unvaccinated. Yeah, okay. To address the elephant in the room. (laughs) And um, at the end of the day, I was just there to do my job and that was to look after them, to try to support them, to, you know, get them well or, you know, just to treat the process. So um, Never in any part of it would I or, or have we, you know, from a from a health perspective, you know, pass judgment. You know, it's a it's a personal decision. Um, one thing probably that I would say that I did struggle with during the process was, you know, this mentality that was thrown around a lot, and you know, and told to me, you know, even from from family or friends that you know, COVID's not real. That yeah, you know, and it just it it. Um, that was probably a big struggle that made yeah, me think, well, you know, you can't kind of diminish um, certain aspects that you haven't witnessed or seen. Yeah, that's right. Um, or make judgment yeah, of things that you haven't yeah. been. Yeah, and you know to. what? And yeah. unfortunately, the majority of the patients that I've cared for were unvaccinated. Um, mm. Some of them were so critically unwell and they were young, they were old, they were. Um, you know, they had health conditions, they didn't. Um, at the end of the day, none of that mattered to me. Yeah, like, that's and right. None it of it mattered matter. to anyone else no. I was there working with. It was at the end of the day, they were sick, we were there to help. That's it. That's the, that's um, the, that's the key note taken away from that. that yeah. Is that the fact that they were, the fact that that's the point I was trying to make. Like they just, they made it political. Just just let let the medical people do the job that they that they're there to do to help people who are sick and try to recover them and help them. Yeah, they mm. can advise them on what they think they should be doing and that sort of stuff. But like, it's, mm. like yep. it's like trying to tell a smoker to stop smoking when he's got lung cancer. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. That's yeah. probably the easiest way I can put it. But yeah, um, 
you know, what is some, like, you know, from that, um, and, you know, what were some of the crazy, what would be some of the craziest things that you've ever seen? Like, do you, is there anything that you could um, pinpoint or anything in particular? Or is it more of a case of, like, we've already discussed? Like, you've seen, like, a crazy thing would be the person in the intensive care coming out of it after, you know, so many some months. Some of the craziest things in an ICU um, would be, like, you you know, it's it's got to be the poo stories, really, like... <laughs> You know, the I'm constipated, so I'm going to use a bubble wand to try and unconstipate myself oh, no. and then accidentally swallow it. Uh, <laughs> well, swallow it one way, but not yeah. with your mouth. Yeah. Um, and you know, and that's led to an ICU stay. And, Has you know, it really? Um, wow. Lots of lots of things um, that can get put in the wrong place that yeah. can, can cause some pretty bad damage. Yeah. Um, and you know, and that was, you know, that was. What else was there? How, how do you address um, that elephant in the room? That's a big well, elephant in the room, isn't it? Because <laughs> just I don't know. With <laughs> I haven't bought any bubble wands over the last couple of years. <laughs> I can't. Um, yeah, look, I I can see you getting deterred from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, look, I I don't know. Like that's what's probably the well, craziest. Um, I've lost count. Um, yeah. You know. I couldn't. The thing is, how do you determine what's crazy? <laughs> and that's like, exactly right, like and a, that's where I, that's where yeah. I am. I'm like, where's the where's the line in the sand for that? Um, I had. This, I don't know. Yeah, I can understand that point. Look, I had this conversation. I've had this conversation with my wife actually a couple of times about this because, you know, like I might I'll come home and we'll debrief and we'll talk about certain things that's happened during the day mm. and you know like I've gone you know I might have said to my wife look I've you know I've gone I had to go out and do a, a collection today of someone who's been deceased for eight weeks and mm. you know I've got I'm in a suit and I've got flies and maggots and all got all this you know everything going on and then we're just having this conversation like it's nothing yeah yeah you know it's like no different to me oh, I just changed mm. I just serviced the Commodore mm. <laughs> Well, I guess that comes back to that that earlier, you know, topic that we came, you know, that we talked about and that is that, you know, you do have to develop that little bit of a, I don't know, kind of shell, you know, yes. to keep doing what you're doing. Of course. Um, and, you know, and I always just think about, well, why do I do what I do? Because I would hope that one day when I'm in that position that someone will will do and treat me with the mm. same level of care and respect that, that I'm giving to, to that person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know? so That's a good point. Yeah. You just hope that what you're giving out, you're going to get back one day. That's it. Come full circle, hey? Yeah. 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 For, um, for every guest that comes on, we've got the, we give out, we've got gifts. Okay. okay. Mm. you got a gift, right? Right. <laughs> do I need to be scared? No, not at all. <laughs> okay. So what you get, you get your own nameplate. Coffin so you see how this is the coffin table? <laughs> oh, it is actually. I didn't even <laughs> recognise it now that you mentioned it. I was admiring yeah. it earlier, oh, yeah. thinking it was really nice yeah. and the timber and yeah. even the shape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I can understand. Yep, yep, definitely so, coffin related. Yep. So you can see awesome. like that's where you have the nameplate on yeah. the top of the coffin. Oh, um, nice. So you get your own to say that you've been on the Dead Ass podcast. So. I'm going to put it on the fridge in go. the interim until yeah. I need it for anything else. That's it. Yeah, hopefully not for a coffin. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully it can stay on the fridge for a while. Yeah, so that's what we <laughs> give. Say, you. no, you're welcome. I appreciate the fact that you took the time to come in and discuss this sort of stuff with us. I, I, I you know, and 
with all due respect to, because I know that you're an active, you're an active um, ICU nurse. So I appreciate the fact that you gave us some in, insight into some of the things that you have to deal with personally, professionally, and all that sort of stuff to deal with. And it's good for to give us a first-hand um, perspective of it as well. No, that's okay. Thank you. No, Thank you for your time. And yeah, yeah no, and always happy to to chat and talk about work. Yeah, no, I appreciate mm-hmm. because like even for myself, like I I don't know much about it. Like I've got mm-hmm. no. I, and like there's some at, that's one place that I don't particularly want to be going either because mm. if I'm there it's because mm. I'm there for a, that's I, right I need your care I'll always say you know to patients when they get better and leave and you know they'll always say well, like thank you so much but I never want to see you again <laughs> and I'm like I don't ever want to see you either and you know there's been times where you accidentally do bump into them I know and they're in the work you know and yeah without going crazy? into detail yeah, yeah. I've, you know been at a at a bar at a at a, at a, I'm not going to go into the details yeah, yeah. of the bar, or, <laughs> but it was a very specific type of bar, yeah. you know, having fun with some work colleagues. And then it's like, I get a tap on the shoulder and I get a, um, oh, hey. And I'll, I, at that point, you know, quite a few vodkas in, didn't quite yeah. really remember or, you know, relate yeah, to this person's to, face, yeah. but did see their uh, tracheostomy scar across their neck and go, right, okay, yeah. I've definitely had some close interaction yeah. with you. And, <laughs> Uh, then I find myself, you know, in a weird, awkward ballroom dance type waltz with, you know, somebody that I've, you know, I've, you know, I've been crazy. Yeah, I've, 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 I've cared for them. That's three hundred percent full circle. Yeah, and yeah. then thank you very much. Wishing you well. Now goodbye. <laughs> I really never want to see you again. <laughs> and I completely sympathise with you on that because I know exactly. I get that quite a lot too. I've had family yeah. say the same thing. Like been lovely dealing with you but i hope i never see you ever yeah. again I'm like, yep yeah. i get that totally understand so thank you so much That's and if, okay. <laughs> if i see you hopefully it is like yes. on social aspects like yes. this and it'll not be fine to see yes. you again that's exactly right yes. so thank you so much okay you're Cheers. welcome bye-bye even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.